Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. I'm a feminist, but I secretly love the film Dirty Dancing (laughs) and would happily trade in one week of feminist activism on my part for a chance to carry Johnny's watermelon. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but when Deborah recently met and partied with my idol and huge crush, a musical theater actor, I may have texted her, please, please, can we please get him on the Guilty Feminist? I don't even care if he's a feminist. That is true. I mainly said that because I was afraid you were going to bring it up. <laughs> oh, that I was going to say Sophie's a feminist? Yeah. But yeah, no. So you, you basically grossed yourself up. Yeah, I had yeah. to. But also, so if you see like a musical theatre actor on the lineup. Yeah, who's got nothing to do with any yeah. of the subjects. It's <laughs> yeah. just going to be Sophie going, so tell me more about when you were in Les Miserables. Yeah, and then sing it. Can you sing it? Sing yeah. about when you were in Les Miserables. <laughs> Maybe you could ask him, you know that line like, can you hear the people sing, singing the song yeah. of angry men? Why it's not angry men and women. <laughs> we could open with that. And everyone else who identifies as whatever they feel like. Sorry, yes, sorry. Yes. <laughs> singing the song, song of angry men and women. And Maybe that's why they're angry because no one respects them. Anyways. Yeah. It's a longer song, but I think more inclusive. <laughs> it's we a can better agree. song. I'm a feminist, but when I went for my regular tidy-up bikini wax and the lady who was waxing me said she had accidentally taken off so much she would have to charge me for a full Brazilian, I paid her and tipped. (laughs) I'm a feminist. And when I read an article saying that you can't be a feminist and not be a vegetarian, I became a vegetarian, but only for 11 days. Then I found myself in a kebab shop saying, maybe this is from a male cow. (laughs) You had a bull kebab. Yes. Also, I think it might be lamb, but I'm not completely sure. You don't know whether it was bull or lamb. Who knows what what kebab is? No one knows. Shut up. No one knows. No one knows. So you had a bull or baby ram kebab. Regardless, it was male, so who cares? Mm -hmm. Right? Eat male animals. No, no, no. No. It's not going to catch on. No. I don't think that's what the vegetarians were saying. 
I don't think that was their point at all. I'm a feminist, but when flipping around on television recently, I skipped past a worthy documentary on feminist prototypes in Shakespeare to watch Say Yes to the Dress, a reality show about choosing wedding gowns. moving though because these brides their aunts were there and their mothers and everything and they were trying to find the right dress and they couldn't and then they couldn't find the dress they didn't feel happy or sexy or pretty and then they found the dress that made them feel happy and then they cried and then they were going to be a really happy bride and I'm so ashamed but <laughs> do yours I am ashamed I'm so sorry you, 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 I actually, this is the first time I've ever been heckled in the guilty feminist I mean that somebody just shouted, you should be. You should be ashamed. Welcome to Denmark. We completely... I'm a feminist, but I only recently came out as one, and I say came out as a feminist because that's what it feels like when you're in Denmark. I've lost friends when I started calling myself a feminist in Denmark. At one point, a Danish fellow comedian called me and said, "Um, do you need to get laid? Is that... Is that why you're now a feminist? Because I'm really concerned for you, so if you need me to come and fuck you, I mean... (gasps) No. Just let me know. Oh, I heard like three people say, who? No. (laughs) Uh, When I was in a meeting about doing a Danish TV show, the producer said, we're really concerned that you're a feminist because we want the show to be funny. And that all happened in Denmark, and that's why we're recording this episode in Denmark, because it's very necessary to talk about these things in Denmark. So please, welcome to the show! Live in Comedy Zoo in Copenhagen, responsible to listening to The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Deborah, so we're talking about promiscuity, mm. obviously this whole thing about how, you know, you're viewed differently if you're, uh, as a woman, sleep with other people. And you had a challenge. What was your challenge? So I haven't slept with very many people. I was in a cult when I was younger. So I was a Jehovah's Witness from my mid-teens when I might have otherwise got going on some sort of, you know, snogging and feeling my way around. There was none of that. That was totally banned. In the Jehovah's Witness faith, men are only really allowed to ask you out if they have an intention to marry you. So you only court somebody with a view to marriage. And nobody wanted to marry me because the men would always say to me, I couldn't marry you, Deborah. you wouldn't be in subjection. Because in, in subjection is what you need to be. If you're a Jehovah's Witness woman, you need to be submissive uh, to the man. And they'd always say, look, you're fine, but you wouldn't let me be the head of the house. And they were fucking right. Uh, so uh, when I left the Jehovah's Witnesses and I became an atheist, I was in my early 20s and I didn't have a, a lot of experience, by which I mean any. And so it's really hard as a 21-year-old just to rev up your engine because everyone else has had experience. They're not expecting you to be a 15, 16-year-old fumbling around. They're expecting you to be a person who knows how to do it. And I didn't know how to do it. So I think I've had a very lo-fi sexual history and people often assume otherwise. I think, I don't know, do I put out a vibe? Yes. Do I? A very sexy vibe. So uh, I am now married to the producer of this podcast. We didn't meet on the podcast. Uh, and 
So, you know, when I go to do these challenges, it's always really tricky because, like, he's right there. Um, <laughs> so I can't just go off and have a one-night stand and be like, well, last night, it was hilarious. Um, so I decided to go to an all-female burlesque night that was put on by an organization that runs... What, what, how, do, how could you call them uh, uh, sex parties? Um, so... In London, there's this organization that runs sex parties. They're like high-end parties where you may or may not have sex. And it's all controlled by the women if they are male and female. So women approach men. But this one was women only. And so I felt quite safe going into that atmosphere. And I, so you get dressed up. You get dressed up really sexily. You wear a mask. And I ended up sitting at a table with this very beautiful woman and we were both chatting and, I, and we were both saying, yeah, we're just interested in exploring this space. And uh, then these burlesque dancers came out and it was really an interesting experience. There was two things that really struck me. One was, if you've ever been to a straight female Chippendales boys stripping club, has anyone been to a show or a club like that? Yeah, don't, because this lady's <laughs> going to say you should be ashamed of yourself, but uh, <laughs> uh, the heckler lady's going to come after you. No, it's fine, you, you have. Maybe you've been, you could have been on a stag night or a hen night or something like that. So if you've ever been to the Chippendales, Women laugh consistently throughout the whole thing. You go into a male strip club, men are not laughing. You don't go into a male strip. I don't know if you've ever been to a male strip, but it's a very depressing place. Men are just sitting there going, looking really sad and depressed and like, oh, I'm not allowed to touch, but oh, well, I can. They're just sort of sitting there thinking about the wank they're going to have later. It's really sad. And a women's strip club, all the women go, ah, look at those penises move. Um, <laughs> with laughter that's the dichotomy to me it seems like funny but what was interesting about this is no is the women were just really enjoying it and they weren't laughing but nor were they sitting there looking depressed either they were really engaging with what the act was doing and it was a very titillating sexualized environment it was but it wasn't the only way I can describe it is a hundred percent consensual environment and I don't think I've ever been in a hundred percent consensual environment before normally in a nightclub you know you've sort of got your defenses up because some sleazy guy's going to come up and be like you want it you want it I'm like no no, not really not really um, and, and there was none of that every and I didn't feel like I was ever leading anybody on there was nothing felt like a promise that's the only way I can describe it anytime you talk to someone made eyes at someone flirted with somebody chatted to somebody it felt like this is enough in this moment right now we're enjoying this this bit of eye contact we're having which I'm now having with a lady in the front row and it's not at all uncomfortable we're enjoying it um, enjoying it equally are you enjoying it yeah, I thought, you, I thought so. Are you just checking? I, there's a man in the front row checking in with my husband to make sure this is okay. And I think you fundamentally misunderstood the tone of the guilty feminist, my friend. Uh, so yeah, every single eye, piece of eye contact, can I buy you a drink, shall we chat, was its own moment. It didn't have to be leading anywhere. It probably wasn't leading anywhere. It was just an enjoyable exchange. And I really felt like there was sexuality on every end of that spectrum and all the way in between. It was a very fluid sexuality. Afterwards, there was a, like a room you could go to and there were some people like making out and I'm sure some people went further. Some people were just dancing, but it was kind of, you know, fun, sexy dancing. I left because I had to take my godchildren to Disneyland the next day. <laughs> I don't know 
what to tell you. Draw your own conclusions. It just felt highly, highly like a place of consent, which was really lovely. And I'm not suggesting by any means that everyone has that experience in every same-sex club anyone's ever been to. I'm saying that was my experience, and it was really lovely, and I would do it again. That's cool. Welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. So our theme today is promiscuity, uh, which is a two, $2 word for sleeping around. Uh, sleeping with lots of different people. Uh, and I started to, I once did a show on this subject and it was called How to Get Almost Anyone to Want to Sleep With You. Uh, and so I looked at what the received wisdom was, what advice was already out there, and I found there were three books, The Rules, The Game, and The Rules of the Game. <laughs> now, The Rules was a book for women, and the advice is basically to ignore a man's phone calls until he marries you. <laughs> that is the advice. I think it's for Americans. I don't really think it's certainly not for British people. Um, <laughs> because it has advice like, don't drink on dates. <laughs> how, how would we know it was a date? That's the defining feature of a British date. I don't know if that's the same in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, and it says, uh, don't go on a mini break with him until you have an engagement ring. <laughs> how would anyone get pregnant? So... So the game and the rules of the game is for guys, and it's written by a guy called Neil Strauss. Uh, and this is the advice uh, that Neil Strauss gives his readers. Now, I must stress that this book has sold millions of copies. It is available in any airport. Uh, has anybody here read the game or the rules of the game? Yes, yes, quite a lot of people have read it. Okay, so you know it's a real book. Okay, so the first rule, and this is for men who want to pick up a lot of ladies. Um, the first rule is get some exercise, get a tan, get well-groomed, get a haircut, get some nice clothes. <laughs> These are all pretty superficial things, I think you and I will agree, but not entirely unexpected in a book about picking up chicks. The next piece of advice is include at least one item, preferably more, in your ensemble every time you go out that is outrageous or garish. Think plumed hats, think LED belt buckles, think platform shoes. Like a peacock's tail, this will give the target, that's what they call the woman, something to notice. So now, ladies, you're in a crowded bar and you, you have a guy coming towards you in a plumed hat, platform shoes, and your name in lights on his belt buckle. When approaching, never approach directly from behind. It seems too creepy. <laughs> never approach directly from ahead. It seems too confrontational. The safest, least creepy, least threatening approaches are from 10 and 2 o'clock. <laughs> Now, as women, we do often discuss the sexiness of the 10 to 2 maneuver. I wasn't going to shag him, but he came at me from 10 to 2 and I was powerless. Make a false social constraint that makes her feel safe. For example, if I weren't gay, you would so be mine. 
Now, to be honest with you, with the plumed hat, <laughs> the platform shoes, and the theatrical downstage entrance, I do not want to stereotype anyone, but I'd made some assumptions. But how this makes it easier to get a girl to come home with you to tell her that you're gay is not clear. <laughs> Have some props which you can carry with you. Like magic tricks or palm reading equipment. Magic tricks or palm reading equipment. Plumed hat, ten to two, I'm gay, ace of spades. <laughs> To get her into conversation, get her to help you make a list. For example, ask her to help you remember all the oceans. <laughs> Stay away from creepy lists like serial killers. <laughs> now I think Neil Strauss has an obligation there. If he thinks even one of his readers, when hearing, think of a list like oceans, goes serial killers. <laughs> He should not be advising that person to hide that in the bar and wait until the girl gets back into his kitchen where he can show her his full collection of Ted Bundy tea towels. If you full clothes, that means have sex in Neil Strauss language, if you full clothes, you'll need other equipment too, like condoms and lube packets. Lube packets. Why, Neil Strauss? Why would you need lube packets? Why? Why, on a one-night stand, would you need a lube Are you going to ask to take her up the arse? Because if you are, I'm imagining that many women would find that a fundamentally unromantic start to a first date. And if you're now having to say, oh God, I was joking when I said I was gay, a request for our sex, not the way forward. <laughs> Once you have the opportunity to get her to your place, wow, have, have props nonchalantly lying around. For example, have a puppy and play with it a bit. I hope, I hope that's a euphemism. I hope that's not a real, a real puppy. That's not right, is it? A dog is for life, not just for our sex. Prime her to say yes by asking her a series of questions to which you know she'll say yes before asking her the real question to which you want her to say yes. This makes her more likely to say yes. This is called the yes ladder. Now I think the yes ladder goes something like this. Do you like ice cream? Yes. Do you like kittens? Yes. Do you like our sex? Yes. I meant no. Too late to run the yes ladder. <laughs> and they are the rules of the game. <laughs> did, you, did I ever tell you that my brother used to be a professional pickup artist? You did not, but tell on. <laughs> he was quite big in the pickup artist circuit. So he wow. made me read the book. So he was like, then it won't work. 
it still kind of works. Really? <laughs> but, but I would go out and then I would know what they were doing. So these, they would like come up and be like, name all the oceans. And I'd be like, ah, oh, it's chapter four. <laughs> and they'd be like, <gasps> That's really caught. interesting. A guy did it to me once in Melbourne at the comedy festival, and he started playing with my hands and saying, "Oh, that's a nice ring." And I and I was one of the things in the game. And negging, negging. Do, do you guys all know about negging? It's basically, if you don't know, it's basically insulting someone in order to lure them in, but it's got a bit of a compliment, like so, like uh, uh, I love your dress. Everyone seems to wear those these days. Mm. And they say, um, go up to a really attractive girl and then talk to her less attractive friend. Oh yeah. And then she'll be dying for you somehow to like her instead. Like, I've been what? that so many times. I've so often, and, I, and you can tell, you can tell because of the feather in the hat. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're at the book. Yeah. If they've got a feather in the hat and they're talking to you, you're like, you, should I just cut out the middle girl here and introduce you to my friend? <laughs> what about your challenge, Sophie? I mean, yours was just so beautiful, and now I'm being like, <laughs> for every man you didn't fuck, I fucked five. Um, <laughs> uh, also a valid experience. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I found it really, I, in the beginning, I wanted to find out if the amount of people I've slept with was higher or lower than most people, but it's absolutely, first of all, irrelevant, but it's also really hard to find out. So what I did instead, I just I started to have fun with this, and I so I made a list of everyone I've ever slept with, and I've done a little statistic. Uh, so first of all, I'd slept with, well, it depends what you're counting, really, but uh, <laughs> I think the final list ended on 20. Yeah, see, you don't know how to react. You're like, duh, <laughs> duh, you know. I mean, some of you will slept with more, some will slept with less. I mean, it's so weird. But so what I found out was. <clears throat> Uh, so four of them were musicians, 11 were comedians. Mistake. <laughs> 13 were Danish, uh, seven were British. I regret four. Which, when, when I've said that to a few people, they've all said, oh, only four. But that's like full on, I didn't really want it, but I just didn't really father saying no and I needed a place to sleep I didn't want to go home and he was he was begging I was like okay fine whatever so like like would I go back would I do it again no Uh, one was in a bush Uh, (laughs) ten of them were one night stands three of them were boyfriends so the rest were more than one but definitely not a relationship so first of all, I wrote that on Facebook today. I said, I've slept with 19 people. That's before I remembered one of them. And, uh, uh, yeah. One of the boyfriends. Oh, I know. I know. Oh. I'm not going to say And if you're one. one of Sophie's ex-boyfriends and you're listening, it was you. You're so vain, I bet you think this list is about you. Montage in my head of like 20 men just listening to the podcast on the bus going, Do not say my fucking name. <laughs> I put it up because I didn't know. I just put it on Facebook. I said, I've slept with 19 people. What about you? And I just waited for people's response. And it, I mean, I'm friends with obviously a lot of comedians on Facebook, minus 11. And. <laughs> 
always like trying to be fun. We're always, we're always trying to be funny in each other's statuses. But this one, people were horrendously unfunny. It was like everyone got really, really tense. And like four of them did the exact same joke. It was something like I've slept with hundreds of people in hostels while they were sleeping next to me. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. People seem to get really tense. Only a few of them answered honestly. Uh, someone said uh, that she'd slept with over 70. Someone said that she'd slept with uh, tw- 12. There was someone who slept with 20. Two people said they were virgins. Uh, and I know them, so that wasn't them being like, haha, being funny. They were actually just saying, hey, I'm a virgin, which I think that's really cool because that's, like that's a big taboo about that. And then I realized, as you were talking about that night, I realized I counted and zero were women. And I identify as bisexual. I've been in love with women. I've been physically attracted to women. I've been in sort of relationships with women where we didn't really, we, did, we were too nervous about the idea of it being like, less, we both said we were straight, but we were having a, like emotionally, we were having a relationship, but without the sex. So, because that would have made it all very real. So I felt like, wait, on one side, I've been trying to figure out if I've slept with too many people or if how that would be conceived by people when actually, I feel a bit ashamed of that, because that thing about you don't want to be fumbling around, like I'm 27, if I pull a bird, is that how you're meant to say? If I, <laughs> if I nail a broad, if I <laughs> that's why I'm a bad lesbian. <laughs> hey, you want to do the finger dance? I don't know how you say it. I don't know how you do it. I'm a, like, in one aspect of my sexuality, I'm a virgin, and that's... That's Everything to play for. That's not terrifying. That's amazing. You're single and you're still a virgin. The first day of the rest of your life has just begun. <laughs> and by day, I do mean night. <laughs> Except it's not the first day. I've been alive for 27 years. No, but I'm just saying, in terms of your bisexuality, if you're virginal, you've got an exciting new chapter. I don't know. I, I, I mean, Listen, literally, I am five married. minutes ago, Please. I started coming to terms with my virginity. I am married. Please give me something vicariously to live through. <laughs> well, Please. it's not just up to me. Okay. And not anyone in the audience I just picked up on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Sophie Hagen. casual sex like I, I'll have one night stands that's fine but I, I'm not good at it afterwards and I've, I find I'm 27 now and I've nailed down like the amount of time it takes for me to get over a one night stand because for the four, first four days after I'm not sure it's a one night stand <laughs> so I've nailed it down it's, it's kind of like so I go through like four stages it's kind of like the stages of grief where it's like anger denial extreme horniness <laughs> Is that not it? I laid down the rules after I slept with a guy called Big Mike. That's all I know about him. His friend said, this is my friend Big Mike. Then we had sex. And then I left. That's all I know about him. Big Mike. If you're listening, Big Mike. (laughs) Well, he's not because he had to, actually the day after he had to move to Finland, he told me to work in this this mountain where there's no reception. What? Shut up. So the day after, 
I kind of wait for them to call. And because I always, I make sure to like, in a very casual and nice way, you know, make sure they have my number. So I'll like leave it, you know, like on the bathroom mirror, <laughs> written in like red lipstick, so it looks like blood. Like, surprise, <laughs> I want to see you again. I'll kill you, you know. Um, and like after he's fallen asleep, I'll like whisper, call her. <laughs> you feel like calling 0744. <laughs> Like in his cereal box, he's like, oh, that's a lot of numbers. Ah, I should call her, you know? Uh, like just record over his CDs. So he'll be like, it's a hard knock live 0744. <laughs> I just improvised that bit, and that was the first song that came to my head. <laughs> it's a hard knock life. You know, remember from the 90s? <laughs> Great brain. So day two, uh, I start, you know, that's the denial phase. I start planning our future. Like, when, for when he calls. I'm like, okay, we'll have a summer wedding. Uh, he'll have to fly in from Finland for that, obvs. What are we gonna call our kid? Little Big Mike? That doesn't work. And then on day three, I finally shower. And then on day four, I accept it. I accept that it's over, that it's not going to be more than a one-night stand, I accept that that's okay. And I do that thing, you know, like in the American like, uh, teen romance movies, where they're like, you burn all the memories, uh, except all the memories are in his house, so I burn down his house. <laughs> and then, if he doesn't call, it makes sense, because he's dead. So, thank you. Sen is a comedian, an author, a public speaker, and a prominent voice in the debate about feminism in Denmark. She's called herself a debatainer, mixing debater and entertainer. She's written books about sexism in her own industry, our industry, and she's done six one-man shows, uh, of which four were about feminism, and she's a personal friend and a hero of mine. Please welcome to the stage the amazing Sen is Senegal. <laughs> you slept with <laughs> you just go straight for it yeah yeah uh, um, I don't know actually yeah and uh, it's not I lost count <laughs> which is part of it I stopped counting when I hit like 25 I think but I decided not to count because I was like why do I need that number why do I need a body count I'm not a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have to show people this number I, I don't want to compare because where is it going? Is it like, yeah, I slept with more people than you, or that I slept with less? Am I a slut? Am I not experimenting enough? And, uh, and I decided that's not something I'm going to... So I actually don't know. I had five years when I didn't sleep with anybody um, a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, that's more weird. <laughs> I, can t I can feel the, the tension in here because everybody's like, yeah, yeah, she slept with like hundreds of guys. Didn't she sleep with anyone for five years? That's actually true. I used to do some comedy where I would start by saying the real number of how, how long it's been since the last time I had sex. And I would just, I would, in my head, I would count before the show and then I would say, and sometimes it, once it was like a year and a half and I could hear people in the audience go, 
Yeah. Which is them saying, I fuck a lot. Because that's yeah. what we're like, oh yeah, my it's... god, I can't imagine the horror you would feel. Yeah, but but that was the thing. I, I had my sexual debut when I was 16, which is quite normal. And uh, I slept with a lot of guys, and I had a boyfriend, and I slept with a lot of guys. And I was like, yeah, now I've done that. I've had a lot of one-night stands, and it's, it's kind of like McDonald's. <laughs> you know, it's always late in the evening, you're a bit drunk. Uh, it's on the way home, it's easy, you feel greasy. It's... Um, <laughs> And, and there is this, I won't call it shame, but then the next day you're like, oh. Yeah, you wouldn't do it sober. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny you said, you said the word slut. And I think slut is such, a, it's such an emotional word because I think, I think we all must have been called it in some aspect or another at some point. And it is this word that is so f towards females. Like mm. we don't really have a word for slut for men. Like that's Man slut. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that like a stem of pride? Isn't that? I mean, I it's don't interesting know, it's that you have to put man on the front of it. Yeah, like it's like oh, yeah. career woman man slant. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's, it's like the other way around. Everything else we put women in front. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. One woman show. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the I'm, definition of a slut is a woman. Yeah. Next year I'm doing a one slut show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 find, I find it a bit condescending when people say, oh, you're doing a one-woman show. Yeah, I hate that. I yeah. don't want my gender on yeah. stage before me, so I'm just one-man show. It's what yeah. we call it here. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, it's the, the whole idea that I have to you know, think of myself as a slut. I've, I've never done that. I, was, I like sex. I have sex. And it's mostly other women who judge that. Guys don't know anything. <laughs> they're, they're really like, you slept with 25. No, no, that was when I started. Never mind. Um, but women are like, don't get a reputation. Don't sleep with any of your colleagues. They'll say that's why you're on top of the... <laughs> I'm like, first that of all, I'm not sure thing. I'm on top. And second, everybody's going to say that anyway. That's what they say about women. Sex disqualifies us. So yeah. why miss all the fun? <laughs> you might as well have the fun, you're gonna get the rumor anyway. So that's, yeah, that's always true. been my policy. That's true, I got that. I was like, oh, the, you slept your way to the top. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you yeah, need I know to know. You got I, mean, the rumor. I mean, you know which comedians I've slept with. Yeah, that. yeah. It's <laughs> not and a way to not any really top. No. No. Oh. oh my god. I. Yes. I I my, fucked my way into a bottomless pit is what I did. You, you slept your way into the bushes. That's what you did. <laughs> yeah, so... Why do you think it is that we have this idea that women who sleep with a lot of people are in some way used or no good or... Because, yeah, the because vagina is just loose and hanging and <laughs> doesn't work anymore. Uh, do you think it's that they're worried you've got a baggy vagina? I don't but think actually, that's what we it have is. Something, we have some uh, in, thing in Denmark. I don't... If you're in a, you know, a group of friends and one guy sleeps with a girl for the first time, she's his. And then if another guy in that group sleeps with her, he has to pay the first guy 
for what? usage. No. Yeah, no. yeah. It's yeah. like a fun. It's I've like, never a, heard it's like that. a fun thing. It's like it's funny. Oh, yeah. I, I I fuck that. Oh, here's twenty kroner. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. twenty kroner. Uh, or maybe, or maybe. I'd like to think that I'd be worth two hundred no, kroner. That, well, no, but that's like no, but that's for the sex. It's like that's like renting for one night. Yeah. If you marry her, no. it's probably more. What? Are you serious? You're joking, aren't you? Is this a joke? No, no. I mean, it's, I mean, it's you. Yes. It's not like a serious, I'll sue you if you don't. <laughs> but it's like, it's like a man. It's like, like a, a man lad, gag. Like it's like, thing. hey, here's 20 kroner. Yeah, and it's... I fucked her last night. It's usage. That's really it's, yeah. unpleasant. It's the whole idea that the woman gets used up if more and more guys sleeps with her. And that's the whole idea. That Can I just get an mm if you've heard of this or you know of this? Mm? And if you've never heard of this, go, hmm? Okay, so... That was so insistent. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very interesting that that's a, a phenomenon here. It's a sort of brought-to-life example of what's going on everywhere all over the world, that there's a monetary transaction, like, I've used your girl, so mm. you here you get a rental payment. Where do you think this comes from, this idea that women shouldn't sleep with lots of people, but men can sleep with as many people as they like? Well, it's the old idea that, uh, you know, the woman has to be a virgin because otherwise the man won't know whether mm. the children are his. The whole idea about virginity for women is basically down to that the man ensures his bloodline because of property. That's not that old, that, though. And no, as, no, did because... You know, in, Sarah Pascoe, have, has anyone read Sarah Pascoe's book? It's called it's Animal, the Autobiography of a Female Body. Mm. And uh, she talks about how in hunter-gatherer societies, that wasn't the case at all. No, because they didn't have property. But it's interesting that that idea of when the pastoral life came on, when we started planting things, two things happened when we started planting things. One was property, because we could stay in the one spot and we could collect. Hunter-gatherers can't have much because they can't, they'd have to carry it. And the other thing was that with the invention of the plough, we became men's economic inferiors. We became dependents because we could gather more than they could hunt. So we actually were the economic superiors when we were hunter-gatherers and we could have the babies. But once we settled down and the plough came along, we were always too pregnant to plough. We didn't have the upper body strength. And it's true, the plough is what screwed us over. (laughs) I'm still a little bitter about the plough. I still feel like the plough fucked us. And and from the plough, I really believe the patriarchy is the time period between the plough and the pill <laughs> because, that's, that's because so the pill has freed us from having to be pregnant all of the goddamn time and now we're coming out of the patriarchy and we're rising up into third wave feminism some men are very very angry about it and they want to bring the plow back mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we say no to the plow and yes to the pill <laughs> Um, yeah. We're gonna get we're gonna get T-shirts made and they will say no to the plow no to the plow yes to the pill. Yes. <laughs> Well, and, and that's why I think it's kind of a feminist project to just sleep around. Or to and sleep with as many people as you want to. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's, of course, the thing, because if you don't want to sleep with anybody, you shouldn't, and mm. you shouldn't feel pressured. But I think we have the opportunities today to experiment and try a lot, and I, and I took advantage of that. And I would say, now I have uh, the most beautiful boyfriend in the world, so now I'm like... Why did I sleep with all of the? Uh, <laughs> oh, I think I've slept with him too. Yeah, <laughs> I know you I have. know him. Uh, <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> I think I slept with him more than once, and his brother. Um, <laughs> he did a horrific one slut show. But I mean, <laughs> the thing, the thing, uh, old feminists always say is when you're in love with someone, 
then you know what sex is really supposed to be. And you're like, oh, when you're young, because you're like, you haven't experienced that. And, and, and I'm old now, so I can say, when you're in love with someone. <laughs> so I think it's, it's kind of uh, feminist empowering. Just, you know, find out what your body can do and if you can get your leg up where you want it to go, I Sophie. I can't, I can't. <laughs> that was number 10 who thought it could go... All the way up there. <laughs> no, but uh, now I'm looking at the list. Oh yeah, that of was uh, the second yeah. time. I was know in the... you. I know several <laughs> of uh, the guys here. Well, you know, eleven of my guys. colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> Do I owe you twenty kroner? <laughs> <laughs> Questions? Questions from the floor? Any questions? Well, I was just thinking about the old saying, uh, everything is about sex, except sex. Sex is about power. So when you think about why do men want women not to have sex, might be about control and power. Yeah, I was thinking. Very I was actually question. thinking that when you talked about the whole biology and the caveman thing. I, I've, I've, I've been with guys, number uh, seven particularly, who... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the no, only name I recognize there is my husband's, so it's... I'm kidding. <laughs> I added him as a joke. <laughs> Me too. You know what I mean? Uh, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> no, I was... Uh, I remember sleeping with a guy, and uh, number seven, and he... Um, I don't know, I just said, oh, let's wear a condom, because I'm fun. And he, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, let's, because I don't know how many guys you've slept with. And I thought... <gasps> Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. And then he said, this week. And I was like, wow. And I said, do you, do you know the last guy I slept with? That was you two years ago. And how we talked about it. And he said, oh, I just assumed that if you would sleep with me, you'd sleep with anyone. Yeah. Oh. Guys, guys have oh. terrible low self-esteem when it comes to their sex appeal. It is, it's quite sad when you go, oh, because I started feeling like he was slut-shaming me. But actually, he was, what he was saying was, oh, I'm probably not as good as all the, the other ones. Was it not wanting to be part of a club that will have him as a member? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he's partly right, but... I mean, <laughs> like, those two years, it was because I didn't try. <laughs> it wasn't me saying no. Uh, <laughs> but I think the power and control thing, I, I think... You know, we teach little boys, is, you know, you, you're going to grow up, you're going to get a, a woman and the woman... Also, I mean, I, we're not going to get into that, but... Like, the truest woman of them all, Virgin Mary. Like, her first name is Virgin. (laughs) That's, like, the mother and the... You know her first name wasn't Virgin at school, though. (laughs) That's sort of... That's something we say now. I don't think so. But it it was like when Deborah talked about Neil Strauss and the game and and all the... Women are like prizes for men. And the whole idea for men that we actually start treating them like that that we're like, yeah, you're an object, I could fuck you, and then I'll just leave, because I really want my night's sleep, and you're not in it. And, and they don't like that. They don't like being objectified. I used to and live with a guy who's a really nice, uh, nice, but very self-reflective, and he, he told me he'd been at the gym, and he'd seen this really beautiful woman, and he'd just been like staring at her, because her beauty was something blah, blah, blah. Very poetic, but he was being a creep, he just didn't know that. <laughs> But he was talking about how he'd been staring at this woman and he was just so uh, attracted to her, blah, blah, blah. Then he went to the, the dressing room to get changed and then there was this old man who was just sitting there staring at him. And he thought, oh no, he's looking at me the way I was looking at her. That's how it feels. 
and his whole perspective changed. But it took another man treating him that way for him to understand how it felt. Yeah, there's a meme going around at the moment, which is homophobia is the fear that gay men will treat you the way you treat women. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's like, oh, I'm going to get backed into a corner and he's going to be aggressive with me and he's going to try and convince me to do something without consent. And it's like, no, the reality is, dude, if a gay man is staring at you in the locker room at the gym, he is judging your low standards. <laughs> he... Because any, any of their B team would be on our A team. The sexist power thing is a really interesting one because I think power and sex are linked and it can be very sexy to be dominant or be submissive in the bedroom because that's about relinquishing control. And sometimes I think it's really difficult as a feminist to reconcile your desire to be dominated uh, with your feminism. Do you know what I mean by that? Does anyone else have that feeling that you think, why, what's this animal part of me that just wants to be, you know, dragged back to a cave? Um, And like, what, do I fancy Robin Thicke or something? Like, you know, that (laughs) great terror that I have. And... And and it is a power thing, that idea of wanting to be dominated in the bedroom, which I obviously now have. uh, It's like, I wasn't going to admit that, but sort of accidentally have. Um, It's, do you find that difficult to reconcile with feminism sometimes? So you just put it onto me now. Yes. (laughs) Do you find my sexuality difficult to reconcile with your feminism? (laughs) I think is what I'm trying to say. Well, I read somewhere that the need to be controlled is actually like a trial thing. Like uh, the thing you fear the most, you want to experience them under safe conditions. Mm. So the less you want to be controlled in real life, the more you want to be controlled in the bedroom. That is so true, because I am in charge of every room I'm in. Yes. And that, it's true though, it's true. Like I'm always the stand-up comedian running the room or I'm in the corporate world at the top front. Many women have uh, rape fantasies. And I think the thing about it is you are so scared of it in real life. But in the bedroom, you can actually control it. You can always say, I don't want, and he stops because that's the agreement. That's the control thing. You actually have control in that situation and you don't, as a woman, any other place. Mm. And that's the power. Sana, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, I'm doing a show, a one-man show, uh, in January, and it's in Danish, I'm sorry to say to the podcast listeners, but to the audience in Denmark, I'm not sorry. Um, (laughs) It's called Crazy Bits, uh, in Danish. Which is sensory killing, but yeah. it's a bitch. I know we have no time at all, but I feel some of our listeners are going to say, why is one man show better than one woman show? Because men are not better than women. Is that just because in Danish, one man sounds like one person show? Is it like solo? No. No, it's just because they're like 50 male comedians and they do one man shows and then there's like two female comedians <laughs> and we're not going to be like, it's a one woman show. No. So, yeah. so you, I think it's, it's about reclaiming it, going, oh, okay, well, that, re- if that's the norm, then we're going to be part of the norm instead of making it sound like it's a different thing. Because it is the same thing. It's just the person yeah. on stage doing jokes. No, no. I, I, was, just, I was just checking in. Yeah, yeah, no. Because I, I know we're going to get tweets. I'm preempting your that. tweets. And we welcome the tweets. We love the tweets. <laughs> Do you have Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? Yes, uh, it's uh, Sanna Sonda. And, Sanna and Sanna. my Instagram handle is Sanna Sonda. And it's all in Danish. In, 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 <laughs> a photo says more than a thousand languages. Uh, 
Deborah, what do you what do you have to plug? Um, I have a new BBC Radio 4 show coming out called Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice, and I have a podcast called Global Pillage uh, that you can find at globalpillage.net, and it is a comedy panel show with lots of different comedians and it's about uh, cultural diversity and inclusion so please listen to that and support it because otherwise all the comedy panel shows are all done by the same six white straight cisgendered men cool I uh, do you want to sorry uh, yes <laughs> my twitter handle is at Deborah FW and Sophie Hagen, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. I'm, uh, I'm going, I have a new show called Shimmer Shatter, uh, which I will be taking on tour from October, and I'll be going all over England. Uh, I'll be going around Europe. I will definitely be back in Denmark around February next year. I'll go to both, at least all who's in Copenhagen, maybe Wednesday, and maybe Albo for those four people who asked me to do that. <laughs> uh, and, I just saw Shimmer Shatter. It blew my mind. You've got to see it. Thank you. I, I'd love for you to come. I'm, I'm quite... It's, I want... Anyways, I want your money. <laughs> no, I also I like doing the show, and I'm excited about doing it on tour. And uh, you can find information on sophiehagen.com. I'm on Twitter at sophiehagen, and uh, on Instagram at sophiehagendk, which stands for Denmark, not dick, but also for dick. <laughs> Named after number 15. No. And... Um, <laughs> And we have an amazing Facebook group. Please do join that. It's uh, the Guilty Feminist Podcast on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at GuiltFemPod. We're also on Instagram at The Guilty Feminist. And also, do go to iTunes and give us five stars. Or as many stars as you think we deserve. No. No, give us all the stars. Why would you? Give us the amount of stars you'd like to give us. And we hope that's five. Anyways, do, go do that and and subscribe as well and uh, uh, and also if you tweet about the show, which we would love for you to do and share with everyone you know that you think might be interested, uh, if you can add us in at Twitter and then also at iTunes. I don't know why, but someone says it works and that they'll get us up in the ratings. So I don't know. Do that. Yes, uh, I just want you to say thank you to Santa Senegal. <laughs> You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist with Miss Producer was Tom Salinsky from the Spanish Show. The recording engineer was Siri Bona Amazon. Music was by Mark Hutch. Thanks to everyone at the Comedy Street as well as to all of you for listening. For information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I feel like you have to have seen that movie to make to understand what that meant. They've all seen it. I like the image in my head better. Johnny's watermelon. Yeah, that, what, no, as big penis. Head, yeah, no, yeah. But his butt. Oh. A water, it's kind of, anyway. Well, it was we'll, meant to sound a bit rude. We'll yeah. edit that out and add in me going, <laughs> I got that joke. <laughs> Hi, this is Sophie, and I just want to tell you that I'm going on tour with my brand new show, Shimmer Shatter, starting in October 2016. I will be visiting over 20 places in the UK and I'm also going on a small tour of Denmark. For details and tickets, you can go to sophiehagen.com and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see you all. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.